0: So we've been looking at the Summer of Psalms, and I will press start to keep Sandy happy and do the start of the countdown, but I'm going to ignore it from here on, so whatever. right? So we're looking at Summer of Psalms, and it's been great. I love it. Love the Psalms, the honesty of the Psalms. You know, we, we live by faith, and actually that's where I want to go today. I'm going with Psalm 27. It's just one that I haven't been able to get away from in the last weeks and weeks. Psalm 27. But I want to approach it this morning from, from, the, from, the, from a different direction, just something that God's been speaking into my life. And you know, the word, that's what I love about the word of God is so rich that you can read something a hundred times, a thousand times, and still get something fresh out of it every time. God can speak into your situation no matter what you're going through. I mean, consider the fact that most of this word was written thousands of years ago. Not, not just a year ago, or, but like thousands. And yet when you read what these guys went through, these men and women went through, and that was written 2,000 plus years ago, there's just this, there's a connection. You, you can feel their pain. You can feel, you can, there's a there's, there's terms of reference. And you know that God hasn't changed as he was with, with, with Adam and Moses. So he is with us today. God hasn't changed. So anyway, I digress. So this morning looking at Psalm 27 from the perspective of of faith and particularly fighting the good fight of faith. So, first of all, first to say that God says that however we approach him, it always has to be by faith. It's always by faith. And so we've got Habakkuk 2, verse 4, Old Testament. Behold, the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith and his faith, huh? important. We, we don't live on our, our spouse's faith, on our mother's faith, our father's, but the just, those who have been justified, the just as you and I, who have been justified by the blood of Jesus, just as if we never sinned, you and I are to live by faith. Amen. Repetition denotes significance in the Bible. If God repeats it a number of times, you must know he wants to get his message across. Right, Andrew? So, Romans 1.17 says, the just shall live by faith. Galatians 3.11, let's start to get together. The just shall live by faith. Hebrews 10.38, the just shall live by faith. Over and over, four times, God's hitting this out. Guys, catch this, catch this, catch this, he's saying to us. In fact, in Hebrews 11.6, it says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. The only way to come to God is by faith. How can we come to him any other way? We can't see him, I can't physically touch him. But he's here, he's the God that encompasses all isn't he so he is here so I come to him by faith and not only do I come to him by faith but there is even within that there is there is a fight to be fought and and Paul writing to to the young pastor Timothy 1 Timothy 6 verse 12 he says to he says to Timothy he says Timothy fight the good fight of faith lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. There's a lot to be said about fighting the good fight of faith and making the good confession. But faith and confession go together, but we won't get into that today. But there's a fight to be fought. We are called to live by faith, but we need to fight for it. You know, we aren't Calvinists in this church and, and um, you know, it's, it's not everything that happens is of God. Just because something happens doesn't mean it's God's will. We have got to Fight for what we know is right. You know, like my pastor back in South Africa used to say to us, he said, unless you stand for something, you'll fall for anything. We need to be willing to fight for what we believe, and we need to fight the good fight of faith. So, looking at Psalm 27, and I'll just try and justify why I'm saying this is, to me, this is all about walking the, 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 the faith walk, about fighting the good fight of faith. This is, it's called, it's called Psalm of David, but Actually, I think it's more like a testimony of David. This is like a window into a season in David's life. And it's like his testimony. It's not like a psalm that he wrote to be sung. This, I reckon, was written over a period of time, days, weeks, maybe even longer. And you'll see why as we go through the psalm today. But this is David's testimony about the good fight of faith, about the faithfulness of God. So let's just dig in. So Psalm 27, 4. Well, I'm just going to jump into the middle here. Psalm 27, 4 and 5. Probably the best-known portion of, this, of the Scripture, one of the best-known portions of Scripture in the Bible, perhaps. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire of him in his temple. Verse 5, 4. Four, so this is related back to verse four, right? Four, in the day of trouble, he will hide me in his pavilion, in the secret place of his tabernacle. He shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. So in case there was any doubt in anybody's mind, this is not for when we got to be God in heaven. Because he's talking about the day of trouble. This is about living everyday life in the conscious awareness of the presence of Almighty God on the inside of you. About tabernacling with God. About meeting with God. This is the heart of David. So, and how do we do it? By faith. We We can't come to God with anything other than faith. So, come to God in faith, but in the presence of life. In the presence of trouble or conflict. I'm going to give you, I think, I think they call it like spoiler alerts. Like when they show you the, the end of a movie or something. Well, I'm giving you a spoiler alert. And we're going to the last verse now, right? But we'll come back. Okay. Psalm 27, 14 says, wait on the Lord. Be of good cheer and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. David said, this is a conclusion when he's come through all this testimony. And we'll get into it now. But this is a conclusion. You know, the Bible says that it is by faith And patience that we inherit the promises. And David is saying, Wait on the Lord and he will strengthen you. James says, I love this. We all love the scripture. Whose favorite scripture is this? Now, if anybody puts your hand up, I doubt it. But anyway, let's see. James chapter 1, verse 2 and 4 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. (laughs) Seriously? Count it joy when you're at a trial? It's like, hmm, okay. But anyway, that's what God says. So let's try. Okay. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Knowing, knowing. That the testing of your faith produces patience. What, did, what, did, what, does David, what does David say? How does David say? He says, Wait on the Lord. James says, It's the testing of your faith that's producing patience. Wait on God. Let, he will strengthen you. He says, Patience will have her perfect work in the original King James. He talks about patience even as an as a, effeminate a thing. He says, let, let patience have her perfect work that you may be complete and thorough, wanting nothing. So there is great value in faith and patience. So wait on the Lord and he will strengthen your heart. So I hope I've, okay, so that's introduction. That is why I'm approaching this and why I see it as not just as a lovely psalm, which it is a beautiful psalm, but but it's about God's testimony, David's testimony of the faithfulness of God and about enduring in the midst of adversity. So let's go back to, we'll start at the start now, okay. Okay. Psalm 27 verse 1. Now remember this is this is David's testimony. It's not mine. It can be mine and it can be yours. But right now it's David's, okay? We're just reading this. This is David's testimony of the faithfulness of God and what God did for him and how he came through a really trying season in his life. And David says, David says, The Lord is his light and his salvation. Yeah? Whom shall he fear? The Lord is the strength of his life. Of whom should he be afraid? The first thing that jumps out at me there is that this is a time of trial because he says, whom shall I fear? Of whom shall I be afraid? I, I mean, if if, if, Sandy, if we're having a conversation and Sandy says to me, what do you want for lunch? And I say, the Lord is my light and salvation. Of what shall I be afraid? She's going to think, was my cooking that bad? It would be out of context, right? <laughs> so, so some things come into David's life. There's a thought He's heard a rumor. He's seen his situation. And something has tweaked his peaceometer off that, 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 that resting place of zero and is bouncing around now. It's going, ah, dish, dish, something's wrong. He, he's starting to get anxious. The, and, and, and the first words that come out of his mouth is, but uh, the Lord is my light and salvation. Whom shall I fear? So let's, 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 let's just look a little bit. The Lord is my light and my salvation. You know, when, when we talk about God as our light, it means light represents the life It's life, isn't it? God's God is my light, he's my life. But but he's also my understanding. He, he, light also represents understanding. You know, when, when we there's, there's times when we go through what's, what does Saint John of the Cross call it? The, 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 the 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 dark night of the soul. You know, where, where, where that cloud of unknowing descends and you and you can't see your way, and it's like it's almost like you're walking in darkness. But light represents knowledge. It represents the word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. He he shows you the way forward. Light represents knowledge. So God is my knowledge. He's my he 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 influences me for good. He gives, influences my understanding. He shows me how to to think in terms of, in reference to, to the way he sees life. So God is my light and my salvation. I mean, he, salvation for sure. He forgives my sins, eh? Forgives all my sins. But he also delivers me from them, and he, and he sets me on a road. So, so when we talk about God, as David talking about God, as his, his, his understanding, his his life, his his, his uh, deliverance, and then he says, and he's the strength of my life. And God is the strength of my life. Can we just leave that scripture back up, Debbie? Verse 1. The, the, God is the strength of my life. And that word strength is, is not so much the source of strength, but of course, God is the source of strength of my life. But, but it's more, in the context of this, if you look in the, in the lexicon or whatever it is on the blue letter Bible, it'll tell you that this word is most frequently used in terms of a place a place. So often it'll be like the ESV will describe this as God is the stronghold of my life, the stronghold, or uh, other, t- other times will be translated as refuge, but it's talking about a place of strength, a place of strength, and that's significant, I think, because, you know, there's times when our strength can feel like it's dried up, like I've got no strength left, I, but God says, but I am the place of strength. I am your place of strength. So you can come to me and you can, you can drink from that well of water that's inside of you. You can come and draw to God no matter how depleted you're feeling. You see, it's not up to God to strengthen us. It's up to us to go to God to be strengthened. There's an action required on us. Christianity is not about just floating through the tulips or on a cloud. That's a terrible analogy, but you know what? I'm kidding what I'm saying. It's not a passive thing. We need to go to God. God is the place of strength. And it's because, I believe it's because David has this revelation that God is his light and salvation, that God is the place of strength and light. Therefore, he can say, whom shall I fear? But anything out of that is just braggios. It's just bragging. It's just you haven't met an enemy big enough, and that's why you're saying it. But if you meet an enemy bigger than you, you need to know that God is your strength and salvation and that he is the source of strength in your life. Amen. Amen. Therefore, he says, God is my strength. Verse 27, uh, sorry, that'll that'll confuse David. There's no verse 27. Psalm 27, verse 2 and 3 says, now this is still David talking. When the wicked came against him to eat up his flesh, his enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an enemy may encamp against him, my heart shall not fear, though war may rise against me. and this, I will be confident. Listen. Oh, do you remember that old, that old Pentecostal charismatic saying? I don't know where it was, but when fear comes knocking on the door, make sure you send faith to go and answer. And this is what he does here. You know what? He's heard of? of rumors, wars, and rumors of wars. He's heard of strife coming. And he sends faith to answer the door when that fear wants to come. And he just starts speaking about the goodness of God, what God has brought him through in his life. And he said, listen, this is my history, fear. When wicked came against me previously, guess what happened? They stumbled. They fell. I'm confident in this that even if if an army comes and encamps against me, my heart will not fear. I know my God has brought me through in the past, and he won't fail me now. He has been with me, and he will be with me. His confidence and his faith are based on his experience with God. He has walked the walk before he starts talking about it. He's been through this. Now, I know we covered this in the introduction, but, but verse, verse 4, and he goes, he goes on to verse 4. He says, one thing I've desired of the Lord, that will I seek. got a drinking problem. I'm missing my mouth. <clears throat> Pardon me. One thing I've desired of the Lord, that will I seek. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. One thing he has desired. One thing he has sought after. David has been doing this. This is his heart. It's not, and it's not passive, like we we're saying. One thing I've desired of the Lord, that will I seek. That will I seek. It's not just about praying a prayer and sitting back and saying, God, but God, I've desired your presence. No, now do something about it. Do you desire my presence, son? Yeah. Then why don't you seek me? Come and seek me. That will I do. I will seek the presence of God, that he may dwell in the, in the, in the house, in the presence of God all his life. So when David comes into this trial now, as Pastor Andy would say, there's seed in the barn. There's good seed in the barn. There's faith seed. He, is, he has placed faith seed. He has spent time hearing and doing the word of God. You know, where else does God speak to us the most uh, clearly but by his word? You know, go back to think, think of, uh, of, of Joshua. How he says to Joshua, be strong and courageous that you, be strong that you may observe to do all the word of the law. Wow, how do we know God? It's through His Word, and it's about doing His Word, always doing God's Word. The, the more we do, the more we learn, but it's only by doing it. Faith, you know, doesn't James even say? James says, doesn't he? He says, don't, don't be hearers of the Word and not doers, deceiving yourselves. So, so David, he, he has strong confidence in God from history. And that confidence came from being a hearer and a doer of the word of God, from spending time in God's presence, from desiring God's presence. And God takes his word so seriously, church, so seriously. Proverbs twenty eight verse nine. This is a bit of an ouch one, but listen to this. Proverbs twenty eight nine says, One who turns away his ear from hearing the law or from the word of God, one who turns his ear away from hearing the word of God, even his prayer is an abomination. Are they? Seriously. Reject God's word. Don't bother praying. Don't bother praying. If you cannot receive God's word, what, what basis do we go to him on? God says to me, Chris, forgive your enemies. Pray for your enemies. And I say, mutter, mutter. Okay, Lord, bless me, bless me. He said, Chris, you're going to get a hiding, son. That's not, what we, that's not the way we do things. Do you remember the disciples? When they went out, there was the 72, and they came back and they're raving. Ah, oh, yeah, even the demons were subject to us. But those guys, they wouldn't, they wouldn't listen to us. Lord, should we call down fire on them? And suddenly they think they are larger. They're going to call down fire from heaven. And Jesus said to them, you don't know what manner of spirit you're of. You don't know what manner of spirit you're of. You know what? God has a way that is not our way, hey? God's ways are not our ways. And we need to take him at his word. Like we sing. John fourteen twenty six. So that, that's the importance of God's word to Him, the importance of God's word to us. John fourteen twenty six. Jesus speaking about the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. Now this is before Jesus was ascended. The Holy Spirit has now been sent. And, and lives and baths, in, in the heart of the believers, right? But he will teach you all things, and what? And bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. The importance of God's word to us, if we haven't taken time to sit before God's word and allow his word to get inside of us, James says, receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. If we don't take time to get that word inside of us, what is the Holy Spirit going to bring to our remembrance? Because there is no memory. We have got to take the time. We have got, you know, Christianity is not a, a, a set of rules and discipline and cut out all fun and let's just sit in front of a desk all day and study, and it's not that at all. You know, the Methodists have the saying, and I, I, I want to get it and read it next Sunday. But, but the, the purpose of man is to enjoy God. Enjoy God. That's, that is our purpose on life, to enjoy God, to live life with Him. Oh, I remember we saw somebody's tombstone, and it said, He walked with his God. I want that to be my, my, whatever you call it when I die. When I, I want people, I want, I want my life to be lived with God. I want to enjoy God for my life. It's not a hardship. But what I'm trying to say is that there are disciplines involved, though. It doesn't just happen. It doesn't just, just because God loves you, it doesn't just happen. Like Sandy was sharing, promise, a lot of promises are conditional. You do this and I'll do that. But I'm not doing that until you do this or else you'll just think because you're a good person and you did it all yourself and you'll wander away from me and you'll get lost. And I don't want you to get lost. Your eternal salvation is more important to me than anything that I can bless you with in this life. So God's word is important to him, is important to us. And and, it's that, and he, the Holy Spirit, is that spirit of truth who Sandus gave us that word, it? En- en-ok-os, enokos, who indwells us. And he doesn't just indwell us and, and lead us, but he influences us. He influences, he changes our understanding. He, he, he affects our terms of reference, the way we see life. So we've got this Holy Spirit who lives in us. And Jesus said in Matthew six twenty two and 23, I don't think I've put it on there, but I'll read it to you. The lamp is the, oh, okay, the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, the whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, the whole body will be full of darkness. Therefore the light that is in you is darkness. How great is the darkness. So what he's talking about, is it, he's trying to use his analogy, he's trying to use a natural, natural thing to, to un, for people who, are un, who aren't born again so that understand spiritual principles, right? And he said, what, what's influencing you? You know, is, is the Holy Spirit influencing you for good? Where, where, and, where, and, and where is your treasure? What are, you, what are you valuing more than anything else? Because that is what's going to influence you. That's going to influence your understanding, the way you see life, and as a man thinks in his heart, so is he, and that's the way you'll become. So God is saying, get your eye good. Get, get, make, make sure what you value is good. And that will let, allow that to, to, to change your understanding to the way, the way you see life. And then you will be full of light. You will be full of light. And like David said, the Lord is my light. He influences my understanding. So David's desire was to seek God's face. Yeah? For, for an awareness of the presence of God. For that awareness. Because God is here right now. He, he's in us. If you're born again, the spirit of God dwells in us. But he's spirit. He's spirit, right? We don't touch spirit with the flesh. Different realm. But by faith. But by faith we do. And as we come to God, we can, become, we can get an awareness of the presence of God. So anyway, moving on. So Psalm 25, verse 27, rather. Verse 5 and 6. So David's just come out of this saying, one thing I've desired of the Lord, that will I seek. And he says, then he says that this is his testimony. These, these next few verses, and if, we won't, we won't expound on them, but if you're going through stuff, even if you're not, it's just good stuff to meditate on, just to, just to see the nature and the character of God, right? And he says, for in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to God. It's good to sing praises to God. I love singing praise. I love praise and I love worship. But you know, praise is a declaration of faith. And I really want to encourage, I really felt this morning while praying, to encourage each and every one of us, myself included, this week, to take time, set some time aside to go get alone by yourself and praise God. Not worship, praise. Praise is a bold declaration of faith. And the one thing the devil wants to shut down is your bold declaration of faith. It's a thing that that, 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 that brings hope. You know, when you praise God, when you praise God, you're declaring, I don't care what's going on around me. I don't care what the situation is. You, God, are worthy of praise because you are good and you do good. And you change not. Your word is established forever. You praise God for who he is. And watch how your circumstances change. God will arise and his enemies will be scattered. I promise you that. God is good. God is good. So but then we get down to verse 7. And this is why I reckon that the thing is written, the psalms written over a period of time because we get down to verse 7 and we get to this kind of turning point. <clears throat> now, up until now, David has been saying, um, yeah, bottle, thanks love. And up until now, David has been saying, no, bottle please. Um, David has been saying, he's been declaring what God has done in his life up until this point in time. Um, you know, when my enemies came against me, it's they who stumbled and fell. Thanks, love. It's they who stumbled and fell. Um, in the time of trouble, he will deliver me. He always has. And suddenly we get down to verse 7. 7 and, and you just hear the whole tone of this change. And now he's saying, Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When you said, Seek my face... My heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Remember what he said in verse 4. He said, one thing I've desired of the Lord, that will I seek. I'm seeking your face. And he, and this is when, you know, this is his history with God. This is how he's able to say, whom shall I fear? Because he has history with God. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to your face, Lord, I will seek. But now he carries on. Don't hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant about anger. You've been my help. Do not leave me or forsake me, or God of my salvation. David, what's going on? David, this man after God's own heart, who is strong in faith, he's been in a place where he's had armies encamped against him and he hasn't feared, but now he's in a place he's saying, God, have mercy on me. David, David is saying, God, have mercy on me. God, don't hide your face from me. Do you know what? There will always come a time in our lives when, when we're going to get stretched. If we are going to allow God to stretch us, we will come to places in our life when we are out of control. You know, if, every, if, if, if any trial that we go through, if we we're able to overcome it, we, have we really been stretched? How, how far have we been stretched? How far, are we, how far are we willing to go with God? Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. But I think if, we, if we're allowing God to take us, to use us as He wants to, then it's not by might nor power, but by His Spirit. And it's going to get scary at times because you're going to go off the map. You're going to go to a place that is unfamiliar territory. And I think David has hit a place here where this enemy is bigger than what he imagined. In fact, if we look a few verses later, you'll see he talks about people who are false witnesses who have risen up against him and breathe out violence against him. Breathe out violence against him. I mean, those people that are consumed, if they are breathing this stuff against him, they're consumed with hatred for him. He's in a brand new place of adversity. And so he gets to this place, even this man of faith. That's what I love about the Psalms, you see. Fight the good fight of faith, Timothy. Fight the good fight of faith. Yeah, but there's a place in fighting that good fight when it gets hard, when it gets difficult, even for a man like David, who God declared as a man after his own, own, own heart. And he says, God, have mercy on me. God, don't hide your face from me. Things aren't changing like I thought they would, like they have previously. And David is hitting the midnight hour. Like Paul and Silas in that, in that, in that jail time. Hitting, he's hitting midnight hour. And you know, Psalm 66, well actually I'm getting ahead of myself, but it just seems that somewhere somewhere in the course of this, this test and trial that David has gone through, God has allowed the light that is in David, the hope that is in David, to be dimmed just a little bit, just for a little while. He's dimmed that light and hope and David, is, his flesh is screaming. And he is crying out, and God, but God has allowed it. Psalm sixty-six, some of the most difficult scripture verse, verses to understand. Sixty-six verse twelve says, "You, talking to God, have caused men to ride over our heads." And I've looked at this many times because you know we know that God is our deliverer. God deliver, de- delivers us from, from every weapon that is formed against us, Isaiah says. We know over and over, God says, fight the good fight of faith. Don't give up. Don't." And I, but here, in this one here, you have caused men. And I thought, mm, maybe it means you permitted men. You permitted men. But any translation you like, you've caused men to ride over our heads. You've brought us through fire and through water. But, but. You brought us out to rich fulfillment. You know what? If God never allowed us to go through anything in life, we'd be a bunch of little wet rags. Really, we would. You've got to go through stuff to toughen up a little bit, hey? To, and it's not just to toughen up. It's not like we we're talking seal team macho nonsense, right? But simply spiritually mature sons and daughters of God. Yeah. If every time we opened our mouths and said, bah, feed me, and God fed us, we're going to be babies all our lives with little dummies in our mouths, right? But God wants us to grow up and take responsibility in the house of God and take ownership for things and fight for the good fight of faith and stand for what is right. And so God allows us at times to go through things. But just to bring balance to this, Isaiah fifty-four, fifteen says, God speaking, still God speaking of that. And he says, And sure, indeed, they shall surely assemble, but not because of me. Whoever assembles against you will fall for your sake. So every weapon that comes against you is very, in fact, very few are of God, right? No weapon is of God. Sorry. Just correct that. Pause, rewind, scratch that, right? No weapon formed against you is of God. However, God will allow circumstance in my life to to draw me closer, to draw out something good in me in his wisdom and understanding. But he will not allow weapons formed against me to prosper. Those weapons are things that are meant for my demise. Things that are there to, to hurt and to harm me. But the Bible says very clearly, God will never tempt me with evil. James, James chapter 1. Because he himself can't be tempted with evil. He doesn't tempt anybody else. That kind of, that kind of temptation only comes out of, out of our own desire for that evil. And we get enticed away. That's us. That's never God. And God will never Bring anything on us that's contrary to his word. If he says, I've healed you by the stripes of Jesus, he's not going to go and put sickness on you to, 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 to test your faith. He's contradicting his word. God doesn't. We've seen how important God's word is to him. He never contradicts his word. Okay? So God is not going... He's, doesn't he even say, Andrew? He says, come on. He says, if you've been evil, know how to give good gifts to your, to your children. How much more will the heavenly Father give, give, give good gifts to his children? Yeah? So God will never contradict his word. He will never tempt us with evil. But there's times when it seems that he allows the light to be dimmed. And you've got to see it in context of that. He's just allowed the light to be dimmed. And, but he will bring you through to rich fulfillment. To rich fulfillment. So let's move on. So David finds himself in the midst of this trial. And, and, and what he does and, 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 and how he responds is, is, is what God is trying to bring out of him. And, and um, so in verse... I think I dropped something there. But, so in verse 10, we see the turning point for David. We see the, the turning point for David. And he says, uh, Psalm twenty seven ten. he says... Did I, did I have it there? Don't I? Okay. When my father and mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. So he's just been saying, Lord... Don't leave me or forsake me. He said, God, have mercy on me. He's at his deepest, worst place. But then he comes with this next thing. He says, then he starts declaring. He stops speaking about his mountain, and he starts speaking to his mountain. And just this little spark of faith, it's just this little, and he says, you know what? Oh, God, have mercy on me. God, don't forsake me. When my, but, but then he says, but when my, when my mother and my father forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. God will never forsake me. As this little spark of faith. And this is the turning point in David's test. This is the turning point. This, it all hinges on this, that his faith comes back. The spark of faith returns. And right in the midst of it, he's able to say, God, you will see me through. Verse 11, Lord, teach me your way. And lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. Uh, you know what? That's, what, that's the place we all want to get to. In the, midst of in the midst of adversity, that we can stop and say, God, teach me your way. Teach me your way, Lord. And I was thinking this, and I thought of, I thought of Peter, because it's always nice to think about other people that failed rather than myself. I prefer that. And I think of Peter, At the, just before Jesus was crucified. And Jesus told them he was going to be crucified. And, and uh, you know, just before, in John 13, 30 36. And um, just before Jesus was crucified, and, and, and Jesus I'm going. And, 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 he, and he says to Peter, he says, but where I'm going now? Some Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? There we are. Thank you. Jesus answered him, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterwards. And now, we know the story carries on from there, and Peter Peter. Doesn't agree with Jesus. He says, "Nope, I'll lay down my life for you." And Jesus says, "No, you're going to deny me three times before the roosters crowed and all that stuff." And and fair play to Peter, when they're in the garden and the and the, and this crowd armed with clubs and swords come to attack Jesus and his disciples and to you know they have got clubs and swords. They're going to they, they intend to do them harm, right? Peter is the one that stands up with a sword. He goes, he says, and he's willing to fight and die for Jesus, he even chop somebody's ear off. He was willing to die, but Jesus said, "But before this, you see." Where I'm going, you can't follow me now. You see, he didn't know how to fight like a Christian yet. He could do it in his own strength. The psalmist says to me, Lord, teach me your ways. In the midst of adversity, our inclination is to do it my way. You've been horrible to me. I, I'm going to go and get some, I'm gonna get some friends against you, Andrew. You've been horrible to me. I'm gonna, Sandy, hey, fair mate, let, let me tell you what Andrew's up to. L- this is the way of the flesh, right? This is, but God says, fight like a Christian. No, no, pray for him. If he's been nice to me, pray for him. The, uh, bless your enemies. Do good to them. You're not my enemy. Bless you, Andrew. You're not my enemy. I love you, brother. Okay, it's good. But you hear what I'm saying? Fight like a Christian. And not just the way a Christian would fight, but what a Christian ought to fight for. Fight the good fight of faith. What does God say about it? Oh, no, this situation is the situation's too big for me. I'm not going to. I'm not going to. No, 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 no. Fight like a Christian. Fight the good fight of faith. Stand for what is right. Or you get taken out by anything. Stand for what is right so amen so thank you sandy keep preaching it brother sister (laughs) teach me your way so david is willing to humble himself in the midst of adversity and say god teach me your way you know victory i'm almost out of time but victory victory doesn't come in an instant understanding doesn't come in an instant but nevertheless god god is with us he He's like that fourth man in the fire. You know when the three Hebrew boys were thrown. And, the, and But they said, but there's another. There's a fourth one there. And it looks like the son of man. How, how did they know who the son of man was? I mean, But it was, right? There's a fourth one in the fire with you, no matter what you're going through. But it doesn't come easy and it doesn't come cheap. We've got to sometimes be willing to, to go through that place of pain and say, God, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me, Lord. I don't understand this. Why am I going through this? But just know that God is for you he is not against you god is your solution not your problem and if he's allowed you to go through anything man he will see you through he's got a thousand ways to see you through debbie and he will see you through and what's more he will bring you out to rich fulfillment yes. look at the heroes of faith nobody had an easy ride we think it's easy because we're looking back with perspective and we can see how the allies end but they didn't know they didn't know how it was going to end up psalm 27 13 this is just lovely i would have lost heart Unless I had believed that I'd see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You've got to let that spark of faith come back. Oh, God, I uh, have mercy on me. God, have mercy on me. Let that spark of, light, of faith come back. No, 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 no. God will never forsake me. And then, then allow that hope to come back. Allow that hope to build you up again on the inside. And then you can come to this place where you say, you know what? Whew, I nearly gave up. I was so ready to quit. But... I know that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I don't have to wait for the sweet by. God is my deliverance. He will bring me out to rich, fulfillment, Debbie, every time. God is good. David died of old age in his bed. All these weapons formed against him, they didn't prosper. God brought him through each and every one. He died an old man in his own bed, not by somebody else's sword. You know what? God will bring us through no matter what we face in life. Allow God to be our light and salvation, to be our understanding. Allow Holy Spirit who indwells us to influence us for good. Follow his nudging, follow his, follow his leading. You know, if we don't do it when the times are good, there won't be anything in the bank to draw on when the times are bad. Do it when you get, when you believe. if you believe that Jesus is your healer, Stop believing in when you've got a headache. When you little ache, pains. Start getting some faith in the bank to draw on in, in case you should ever need it. Whatever the situation is. But start today. Allow the Holy Spirit to enlighten you on the inside. And not that new age way, but to bring light to you. Allow him to bring Jesus' word to your remembrance. It doesn't we don't get more light by asking for more light. We get more light from walking in the light we already have, And that's where we get more light, isn't it? We get more light by walking in the light we already have. Proverbs 4:18. And we're going to close with this, he says, "But the path of the just remember, the just shall live by faith, the just, that's you, the justified. the path of the justified, that's you again, is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter unto the perfect day." Do you know what? Light comes gradually as we do it but be doers of the word be hearers and be doers of the word then you'll be my disciples indeed and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free but it's only as you do the word of god let's 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 put as much value on god's word as he does amen so this week i just want to i just want to go we're going to close there and i just want to just just pray over us if that's okay and um you know if you've been going through a hard time and I, and I know that people are um just know that god will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able to bear up under and with every trial he will make a way of escape he is faithful and he is good He is on your side he will see you through he will see you through he he will not let you fail he will not forsake you which is to leave you in a weakened state he won't It's not his nature. It's not in him to do that. Take Psalm 27. Go and meditate on David's testimony until it becomes our testimony. Yeah. God is faithful. So I'm just going to pray over us, and then we're going to close the service. Yeah. All right. So, Father, we just want to thank you, Lord, for for David's testimony, Father God. And for your character, Father God, your, your proven character. The one who doesn't change, Father God, who is good, who always was good, and who does good. And Lord, even though we sometimes may go through times of unknowing, Lord, times of trial, times of, of pain, Father God, physical or, 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 or emotional pain, Father God, even things of fear, things, things that, would, that, would, that would weaken us, Lord. Weaken us from, from anxiety, Lord. I thank you, Father, we can, we can give you praise in the midst of it all because you're worthy. You're always worthy, God. You have done so much, Lord. You paid the price for us. You have set us free. You are, you are our light and our salvation, Father. You are the place of strength in our lives. So, Father, I pray this that this week, Father God, that each one of us would be able to find you as the place of strength in our life this week, Father, regardless of any circumstance, that you would be that place of strength in our lives. So I just pray your blessing, Father, upon each one of your children, or each and every person here today, Father. I just pray your blessing. I just speak blessing over you, Family Church water I speak blessing, God's provision in your life. Deliverance from fear and anxiety. That he will give you hope. That you will have that, you will have that hope. And, and you will know that, the, that you will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. God has a plan and a purpose for you. Regardless of who you are, where you are, what you've been through, God has a plan and a purpose for you. And I just declare His kingdom come and His will be done in your life. In the name of Jesus, I thank you, Father. Touch every life today and this week ahead, Father. In the wonderful name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.